Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232. Duke Energy presents Conversations About Living Young with your host, Marina Kears, Executive Director of Hendricks County Senior Services. Good evening and welcome to Conversations About Living Young. My name is Marina Kears. I'm the Executive Director at Hendricks County Senior Services, and it is wonderful to have you join us uh, tonight to listen as we uh, continue another important conversation, this time about self-care and caregiving. As you have heard me say many times, Hendricks County Senior Services' mission is to help older adults live as independently as possible in the home of their choice for as long as possible. One of the things that we know is that that caregivers play such an important role in helping our older adults maintain their independence. So I am pleased to have with me Dr. John Nolan. He is a counselor and the owner of Nolan Counseling and Consulting Services. He has been uh, past uh, has been providing pastoral counseling for many years, um, but has been providing counseling as a business for ten in our community. He lives in Avon, and we are so pleased uh, to have you join us uh, for the show today to talk about this such an important topic as caregiving and self care. So, thank you, John. Thank you for your invitation. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Um, well. Senior services, we get a lot of phone calls from caregivers and people who are, by the time they reach out to us, they're really at their wits end. They're Mm -hmm. not sure what they can do differently, but they know that they want to continue being a caregiver to their loved one, whether that's a mom or a dad, sometimes it's a neighbor. Um, Usually their goal is to help that person live in the home that they want to live in, and sometimes that's with them, and sometimes it's in their own home. Um, But if you would just share a little bit about what's the prevalence, how many people are caregiving in our our community or, or in our state? Well, uh, I don't know the actual numbers, mm-hmm. but they're staggering and getting larger. Yeah. Baby boomers aging and people stepping in to provide that kind of care and are finding other caregivers to give it to the parents that are beginning to be aged. So wouldn't want to wager a guess, but uh, as a conversation we just had, it's growing yeah. you know, and it will be blossoming even more. Yeah. So the phrase that was used several years ago and people still bring it up is that sandwich generation. We mm-hmm. have a group of people in our community who still have children that need care at home, but they have a mom or a dad and they're in the sand. They're in the middle of the sandwich um, trying right. to figure out how do I help mom and dad? How do I help raise my own kids at the same time? Right. And that's a big juggling act, mm-hmm. you know, because as the kids, kids age, you got to go to the sports things yeah. and all that stuff and then turn around and here's mom and dad and, and whatever. And so uh, there's, you can always try and make priorities, but I'm oftentimes concerned with a crisis that happens or mm-hmm. the trauma that happens. And then all of a sudden the whole agenda gets reorganized mm-hmm. and then recovering from that. And uh, just as a sidebar, I oftentimes talk to people about their trauma in their lives and do a trauma map, I call it, mm-hmm. and then find out what the cumulative effects of that trauma. So the event with mom or dad might be just something else that exacerbates what's already happening, right. uh, past pattern of traumas, so to speak. Right. So by the time people come and they're asking for help, whether it's from you or from an organization like ours, it's, it's never... 
um, it's difficult to be really proactive in that. And so I know um, one of the things we want to talk about today is what can we do to help get people information before they have the crisis? And we we do spend a lot of time with family caregivers saying, what can we do to help you uh, come up with a plan before you're in crisis mode? Because crisis mode is always the worst time to plan, right? (laughs) Make pretty terrible decisions in a trauma or crisis emergency. So pre-planning, of course, is always best. But, uh, you know, oftentimes that does not come into the fore. But I I think I'll start there. I think if you begin to put a plan together, we have a plan for our vacation, we have a plan for retirement, we should have a plan for what happens with family and whatever. And it sounds good, uh, but getting it done is the issue. Mm -hmm. And I find with most people, they just lack the start. Once they start, they can begin to get that ball rolling. So when they put that plan together, then they can then anticipate that emergency. Will this be in-home care? Will she, they or he have she have to be in a nursing home, mm-hmm. et cetera? Do we have to get equipment in the home, uh, et cetera? Do we have to get skilled people in the home? And so managing all that uh, can be a, a little overwhelming, which leads to a question that's... Uh, often comes up, what happens when you get overwhelmed? What happens when you get to that place? Uh, The phrase I was taught years ago was compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just had a conversation with uh, one of my clients, and their their phrase was caretaker fatigue, Mm -hmm. and both are true. It can be on the front end. What's the plan? we got to come up with a yeah. plan. Or we've started in the plan and this doesn't work and I'm at my wit's end. And I love my mother. I love my father. But they're driving me crazy. Yeah. You know, those yeah. kind of questions. And to be honest about that. Yeah. And oftentimes, especially within families, that's a tough thing to say depending upon your family dynamic. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you kind of get pushed to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I tell people, then sit down and talk about it then. Get these things out, uh, whether you've had a plan or not. Uh, And then you aren't carrying the burden of, oh, I can't say this or I didn't say this, but I want to say this. And it opens it up to get a solution instead of continuing on down that road. So we often hear from individuals who say, I'm all in. I want to do what I can. I need help and I need my sibling being the key person to help too. What can I do to get my brother, my sister, the in-laws, somebody else to step up and come to the plate? So getting somebody even into that family meeting, what kind of advice do you give folks who say, I'm, I'm giving it 100%, but I need help and my brother won't come and meet with me. My sister doesn't want to talk about it. What would you say to that person who, who's in that spot? Well, I think I can tell you safely that using a gun does not work. No, okay? no. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to motivate someone else. Yeah. Each person has to be motivated by their own thing. Uh, I think an honest, open saying, this is the crisis, this is what we have to do, begin to deal with that. And the other side is that not everybody has to do everything. Right. So if the brother is more comfortable on the financial legal side, then let him do it, or the mm-hmm. sister or whoever. Uh, if someone else is saying, I'll take care of the day-to-day, then that's great. If we have the wherewithal, we're going to hire somebody and check in on mom. Uh, ironically, my sisters, uh, who are older than I am, have been taking care of people for a number of years, and uh, they were, have worked that out. And the family came to them, uh, split the shifts, all that kind of stuff. And it was a very mm-hmm. well oiled machine, if you would. Uh, And I'm aware of that. And I thought that family did a great job of anticipating that. But getting everybody on board might take a while. And I know the crisis has come up immediately, but the plan doesn't have to come up immediately. You might get people to say, in your time, in your place, you're going to have to make a decision. 
but give them some time to get comfortable with it mm-hmm. because of different personalities and different way people see a crisis. Mm-hmm. So those there's a lot of complications. There's things that happen uh, when you're providing caregiving, and especially as those needs of the care recipient increase. So if you have an individual with dementia or some kind of uh, condition that causes a long, long-term decline, let's say. Um, so some of that, we talked a little bit about siblings, but who else kind of gets wrapped into um, the complications and some of the, the difficulties of caregiving that we need to be mindful of? Well, I think that sometimes people come to the table with their opinion and mm-hmm. thinking because I have this opinion, it has validity. Mm-hmm. Well, in some realms that might be true, but in caring for that uh, pay, client, uh, excuse me, family member, then that's a family decision. So and so forth. And I don't mind having input, or I don't think we would mind having input. But the, the decision rests with the family. And so as, as they go through that process, then they need to winnow those things out. People might volunteer. Mm-hmm. Other family members. I've had some from states away call and say, well, this is what you ought to do. with." And, yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, you're not up front with that situation. Uh, hiring caregivers is, is an option. And mm-hmm. I've worked with several people uh, from my counseling that had caregivers. One hired a family member. Mm-hmm. They were able to get them approved and qualified and everything. And it wasn't long before the family member left. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't handle it. And so I, I hate to have to say this, there might be some trial and error, but once you find that caregiver outside the family, inside the family, uh, then boy, if you can keep that, uh, yeah. keep that going, keep their compassion up, keep their work ethic up, then you're going to have a real great person. And uh, again, uh, sometimes the state has to get involved. Mm-hmm. You know, elder abuse is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked with an attorney who is a, a very, he's known for elder abuse. Uh, and not abusing them, but <laughs> taking the legal <laughs> Clarify, side of those things. Yeah. And, that, and that's another aspect that I didn't think of, because there's financial issues to take care of, insurance issues, the disposition of the house, and, and whatever. So um, I will tell you that in one family that I'm working with, what we have done, I've, I've literally called them the team. I want to put the team together. Mm-hmm. There's a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandson, and a husband, and, of course, the person that's getting the care. And uh, I, they, they keep saying that over and over again. And I think that's a great way to have people mm-hmm. buy in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a part of the team. And uh, you can't do this, but you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so you can maybe find some inventive ways, creative ways to get people to say, we can share in part of this. Yeah. I don't have to do it all, but if you could do this piece. And we find that people are... Um to us, they've forgotten the basics. So sometimes people assume what their loved one might want to happen, and they never asked mom or dad, what do you hope for out of this situation? And so um, for, for conversation starters, sometimes that's the easiest one to say, well, what do you, in an ideal world, what would you want? And then we can work toward that together because let's face it, if the care recipient is not happy with the situation, nobody's going to be happy with the situation. And the goal usually is to help mom or dad be comfortable as they need this care. So I think sometimes we forget the basics. What do you want? What's your goal? Do you want to stay at home? Would you prefer to move to assisted living? Um, Sometimes people assume, well, you know, mom lives states away, but that's what she wants. Well, did you ever ask mom if mm-hmm. she'd like to come move closer to you? And, you know, we find um, through senior services, we see a lot of people who move closer to be with grandkids. And and, and when they get the social network built, they're very happy mm-hmm. and they're very content to kind of start again in a new phase of life. Um, 
closer to family, but not entirely dependent yet. And Mm -hmm. I have a client that's doing exactly that. Mm -hmm. We are walking through. He uh, has a caregiver that comes into his home, but he would like to move back to where he came from, be closer to family, still have to have a caregiver, maybe even to a point of assisted living. But at that point, it's, yeah, let's check in with uh, them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the phrases that I've used for a long time, and it's not new, of course, but it's a a person, not a project. Yeah, I like that. We're going to look at this person as mom and dad and various other things, but uh, you can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Ask those questions. If there's no element of incapacity to be Mm -hmm. able to converse, then you can just ask those questions. And and all of a sudden, you've changed the dynamic, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, You have to take care of me. No, we are together and taking care of this. We are, you know, finding the thing that you want. And it gives some joy, I think, to the care recipient and to the caregiver. I think so many of our caregivers tell us that it's the hardest thing they've ever done, but it's also the most wonderful thing they've ever been able to do for their loved one. And so... um, Giving the giving some goals around that and saying we accomplished this, we did it together, makes the care recipient have that dignity and that joy, and then it also gives the caregiver that purpose. This is why I'm doing it, mm-hmm. um, rather than feeling like they're working at odds with the other with the right. person. Now we have children, but I never bore them myself. Mm-hmm. My wife did, obviously, in the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. The child and what a joy. Yeah. Think of it as giving birth in reverse. You're yeah. going to say, "There's this is tough work, but there's a joy that comes from that." And it begins to change the dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I look at within families regularly. What's the dynamic that's going on here? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's happening in that universe? And even the guilt from not having done this or said this or whatever. And oftentimes uh, at the very end stages of life and in that process, people come back home. Mm -hmm. People come back into those things. And uh, a a personal situation is that happened with my mother. And uh, I thought, the family member that came back in, I thought, okay, whatever's happened, we want to focus on mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes a world difference. But being aware of that dynamic, yeah. being aware of those questions that uh, could come up and how we, how we face them. Yeah. So for uh, those in, who are listening, who are caregiving, and, um, or who anticipate becoming caregivers, what do they need to be on the lookout for in terms of burnout? How do you know that um, it, now's the time to ask for help or, um, or gosh, I should have asked for help a long time ago, but it's never too late. What, what are those warning signs that you look for? Well, I, I did some research, as I told mm-hmm. you uh, before we started, and these are the signs of burnout okay. from a Psychology Today website, okay? Physical and emotional exhaustion, mm-hmm. feelings of cynicism and detachment, and a sense of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. Okay. And the day in and day out of the same person and the same pattern and the same things we have to do or the same things I have to tell you could you know be brought into that there. I also looked up under compassion fatigue, and that's one of the places where I think that uh, if there's people in need and have access to a computer, then they'd be able to look up compassion fatigue, and those are chronic physical and emotional exhaustion, very okay. uh, common. Uh, depersonalization, it's no Similar. longer a relationship, mm-hmm. it's not a person, it's a project. Uh, feelings of inequity toward the therapeutic or caregiver relationship. Okay. I'm giving too much, you're receiving too much, what do I get back? Irritability, you know, uh, feelings of self-contempt, difficulty sleeping, weight loss, headaches. Mm -hmm. And they don't all have to be present, as I say, when there's a list of things. uh, But those can be markers. Those can be indicators. And if we can educate people in those indicators and say, maybe I need to do a check-in. What's going on here? 
So interesting that you, uh, the first couple ones that you brought up there that, um, depersonalization is, I think, really important. And especially you brought up elder abuse before, but I think you can link those two things and say to um, caregivers who are getting burned out that would have never believed that they could ever harm a person they care so much about. When you get that burned out, when you are that exhausted, um, it doesn't excuse it, but it helps paint a picture of how in the world does that happen. Uh, And um, I know that it does, and we know that it does. And so So um, it's really important for caregivers to take care of themselves because as we tell people, you're not very good at caregiving for somebody else if you're not taking care of yourself. It's the uh, oxygen mask on the airplane model. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You got to put the oxygen mask on first. Uh, You put it on yourself first, then you assist the person beside you to get the oxygen mask on. And so um, if we're doing that, if we're getting the oxygen mask on, it's still a crisis it might be, and it still Mm -hmm. might be really hard. But doing that as a first step is really important. Well, and I see people that look at self-care as selfish. Yes. And uh, I, I think that's, that's a, a wrong idea of what that self-care is. Uh, that self-care will help you become more effective in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I regularly meet with a group of guys, and uh, we kind of hold each other accountable, and that's a conversation we have just about every month. Uh, what are you doing for self-care? Mm-hmm. And is it going away, reading a different book, taking a vacation, and all those kind of things? And um, the, interesting, the pathways to healing from compassion fatigue are, are very similar. But consider how to replenish your mind, body, heart, and spirit, mm-hmm. whatever that is. If it's fishing, if it's taking a walk, if it's splitting wood, uh, I used to do that to take out my aggression, yeah. <laughs> uh, access to nurture and support somebody who can come alongside you yeah. and lift you up, uh, stay connected to the meaning. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great mm-hmm. one. Is that what am I doing here? What's my purpose here? Mm-hmm. Engage in a reflective pra- practice. If at the end of the day you say, how was I? What do I need to look at? Is there other help I can get? Just spend a couple minutes uh, thinking about that. And be kind to yourself. And uh, again, that's not a selfish act. That's a self-preservation act that's essential. But our self-talk says, oh, you don't deserve this. You can't do this. I can go on and and what have you. And it leads to a diminished capacity to uh, help somebody as as opposed to an increased capacity to help, which is what we're looking for. Yeah. We we call our caregivers that we meet uh, through the agency are heroes, and they really are. What they do is heroic work. Um, They're doing things that... um, It's a great phrase. It's amazing. I mean, I could get choked up talking about all the stories of these wonderful caregivers and like I said, they they come to us and they say, this is what I want to do. This is my choice. And yet, how do I cope um, with some of the realities that it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to take care of another adult and to treat them with dignity and to help them uh, meet their needs. And so it isn't selfish to take care of yourself. Um, right. we, we promote respite services. And yes. sometimes if that can't be paid for, then that's a good opportunity to bring in that sibling, that grandchild, somebody else in the family and say, could you sit with mom? Could you sit with grandma mm-hmm. for a little bit? I'm going to go do these things for myself or even better, a weekend, you know, have <laughs> yeah. a little retreat yeah. uh, by yourself or, you know, we, we had one caregiver that literally would, um, they were hiring in respite and her husband was, uh, 
he didn't want to be alone. He didn't want to be without her. And uh, so her respite was literally going out to the car. And sometimes it was to have a cry or listen to a song or scream, whatever she was going to do. She was in the driveway in the car. She'd come back in as a different person. But she didn't want him uh, to feel any uh, emotional from her emotion. She wanted to be be a good caregiver. It's just that it wasn't going, she couldn't do it all the time. She couldn't be on the... They used to call those the 15-minute vacation. Mm -hmm. That's cute. Yeah, And you can do meditation or whatever else like that, something that just gets your mind off of it. And and those would be tailor-made to each person. Mm -hmm. And it might take a while to find exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the notes that I made is that uh, find out what your pattern is, what the habits are that you're doing. Do they lead you to you know more stress, uh, compassion fatigue, whatever? Uh, then set your pace. You know, mm-hmm. do I have to be slower and steadier? And then take a pause, a reset, a refresh, a return, uh, whatever. And if we begin to pay attention to those, oh, uh, and I oftentimes ask people, do you see this thing occurring every Tuesday, every mm-hmm. Wednesday, in the morning, in the evening? And just look for those patterns because those are very telltale. That if I get angry towards the end of the week, then maybe my time is that I middle of the week take a break yeah. and whatever. Uh, and those are those are tough things sometimes yeah. to um, adjudicate for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and so, so sometimes I has to be called in and say, give me an observation. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me what's going on here. Uh, I, I did research on something else too, and this would be more on the professional side, but there's actually a, a uh, uh, compassion satisfaction and compassion fatigue test or okay. a, a check. Professional quality of life scale, pro-qual, I guess is how they pronounce it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look through this, and it doesn't limit itself just to professionals. It's online, and you can find it, you know, by putting some, uh, just searching for compassion fatigue and come up. And uh, I think that would be a real positive step if we would create, if I can think out of the box here, one of those four caregivers that are not, quote-unquote, professionals, not licensed or or whatever else. Uh, And then have that fit in the dynamic of getting this person stable or keeping them stable and whatever steps we need to take for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I like that. I think sometimes seeing the seeing the information in black and white is helpful. Um, you know, and I like the idea that you mentioned of ask someone who's kind of on the outside to say, when, when I'm at my wit's end, what's when do you see it? You know, kind of pay attention for me because sometimes it is hard to reflect mm-hmm. back on your own on your own week, your own day, or uh, even farther back to try to figure out what's causing me to get um, to feel this way when when I don't really want to. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that talks about boundaries quite a bit. There's yeah. some great books out there on boundaries, uh, some on the Christian side and some on the, the secular side. Uh, but also, uh, boundaries is great, but I also look at the patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, not to repeat myself, but oftentimes the times those will be very telltale of why we get to where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the old uh, phrase is, know thyself. Yeah. And if we could begin to, and but some people don't know that, have been educated in it, and uh, what a opportunity to say, boy, we, can we increase the efficacy of caregiving for doing a couple of simple of uh, steps, tests, uh, whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes people go, oh, that's us, you yeah. know. Yeah. So boundaries are really important, and how do you recommend that caregivers? Kind of set those boundaries as they enter into the process or reset them if things are not going well. 
Well, I begin with, and I jotted down a list, I'd first say know your limits. Now, if you had a, say, a 95-pound caregiver and they had to care for yeah. a man who's in the 220 pounds, they cannot lift him out of a chair or so on and so forth. So we know the limits physically, mm-hmm. but do we know our limits and our boundaries emotionally and relationally? Yeah. And uh, that's, the, again, questions as you go or before you get in there. Uh, know when to say yes and when to say no. Mm-hmm. And those are pretty, you know, I want you to work over and I want you to work another 12-hour shift and you can say, I'm sorry, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. And if that means a family member takes over for the paid caregiver, then that do so because mm-hmm. I, we don't want that diminished uh, efficacy on the work. I know who you know who to ask. Uh, that's already mentioned these pre-plan and uh, look for someone that can partner with you, come along with you, uh, and ask a friend and yeah. get some observation. I know when to ask. When's my marker? Mm-hmm. When's my needle got into the red? And I've got to ask yeah. those questions. And then uh, when you know when to ask, then you find that person yeah. or group. Uh, Sokoa's got some groups, things that they do. And also Joy's House has a caregiver crossing. Yeah. It's not the radio station, sorry, but it's on uh, Saturday mornings, I yeah. think it is, or Sunday mornings. And uh, they talk about caregiver issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, they regularly have gatherings of that type. Yeah. Uh, I attempted to host one a caregiver uh, event one time and <laughs> No one came, yeah. so uh, maybe we didn't get the word out enough or something. But to get into a group of people that say, boy, I thought it was only me. Yeah. No, you're doing the same thing as well. Yeah. And so, but you set your own boundaries. Sometimes they're easy. I can't yeah. lift that much. Sometimes they're tough. I yeah. can't emotionally handle this. And if it's whatever the illness looks like or whatever... Those are mm-hmm. good things to say. So we have um, we have found that our Alzheimer's support group, Parkinson's support group, and then we have what we call an improve your mood support group at Senior mm-hmm. Services. All three of those attract caregivers who really need additional support and encouragement and a network of, of people to give resources and encouragement and um, uh, to be there as that uh, source of support. That's what they're there for. And um, it is essential for those heroes to continue going on, to build um, or to be reminded of the other individuals who say, um, you know, sometimes people say, I'd love to help. Let me know how to help. Accept that help. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes another group of people to say, hey, next time somebody says to you, I could let them come in. Let them have lunch with mom. You can go do something else. And those right. are um, those are moments that we should not feel ashamed to say, that'd be great if you wouldn't mind. Sure. I'm not going to clean house for you. You just come on over and you sit with mom and we're going to, she'll love to see you. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have to feel guilty about that. I think that's the most important message for those caregiving heroes out there is you don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty. And and uh, let mom enjoy somebody else's company. Dad enjoy somebody else's company for a while. They might be tired of you anyway. <laughs> well, and uh, uh, my business is asking questions, yeah. you know, inquiring questions and uh, clarifying questions, what have you. And oftentimes with some of my older clients, I'll walk in and say, hey, tell me about that trophy you've got over there. Mm-hmm. And 45 minutes later, they have gotten some talk in there yeah. and, of course, interjected. I'd interject things and whatever. And uh, the family has heard those stories a thousand and twelve times, but to a newcomer, you know, and even if they repeat that story, mm-hmm. um, we have a phrase in our family call it the Nolan repeating syndrome. We sometimes keep telling the same <laughs> stories over and over again, but in this case, it could have a very therapeutic effect. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that gathering of people. Uh, when someone said years ago in the universe, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. The atom in relationship to all the things that are in those places, the, the earth to man, man to earth, man to man. All those things are critically important. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we think we 
don't have to have the relationship. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, because somebody else out there is facing probably these same things, and uh, they can be a real encouragement to you. Might not take the load away, but you can say, oh, I can carry on just a little while longer. Great. Well, I appreciate your uh, words of wisdom. I love ending there on that uh, positive note that if we can find someone to help carry the burden, carry the load a little bit, we'll be able to go a little farther together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would encourage anybody listening today who wants to know more. um, John gave some good resources out there. Uh, There are plenty more. Sokoa's website is a good uh, resource as well. And you can always call Hendricks County Senior Services to find out where we can link you to caregiver support in Hendricks County and throughout central Indiana. I am so glad that you joined me today, John, and I am so glad that our listeners were able to hear this important message about caregiving and self-care. Look forward to speaking with all of you and, and next month on Conversations About Living Young. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Conversations About Living Young with your host, Marina Kears, Executive Director of Hendricks County Senior Services. This program has been presented by Duke Energy. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. And if you have a smart meter, check online to see if a daily usage analysis tool is available. Smart meters collect usage information by the hour, so checking spikes throughout the month, by the day, and even the hour can show what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.